0: Live from the Findlay Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios.
1: Meanwhile, regular people had to wait in their cars for hours. This is the press box. It's like they were lined up at a toll booth trying to leave New Jersey during the third quarter of a Jets game. Tyler Bischoff and Adam Candy. Or Giants game. They're both, uh, both bad at football. On ESPN Las Vegas.
2: Ed Grady is out today. So the wonderful Adam Candy is filling in for him. And we have an actual football game to talk about. The first bite.
3: Is Nathan Peterman going to take Derek Carr's job? And you know, it's not an
2: actual football game because Nathan Peterman threw 39 passes in it. And that could not possibly happen.
3: We need more
2: Peterman. (laughs) We need more sample size on the Peterman football game. Uh Peterman was 29 of 39. Threw for 247 yards. Also ran for 32 yards. Um all right, Adam, how pumped were you about Nathan Peterman or is that just
0: me and Jared? I was pumped that John Gruden both said, quote, it was like a playoff game for me <laughs> with the atmosphere of opening <laughs> Allegiant Stadium, and then gave Nathan Peterman. 40-plus dropbacks. That, to me, was just the absolute perfect way to have the Raiders play their first time with fans inside that stadium.
3: Do you think that's a harbinger of the next time that the Raiders make the playoffs? I mean,
2: yeah, that's fair. I mean, the only time they've made it since Derek Carr has been here, Derek Carr didn't get to play in that. Connor Cook got to play in that game. So, yeah, the next time the Raiders are in the playoffs, it's somehow going to be Nathan Peterman taking the snaps at quarterback. So, okay, should we... Should we make fun of John Gruden for the, it was like a playoff game quote, or should we sort of let that slide as, okay, he's just describing, hey, they were finally fans in their brand new stadium.
0: Yeah, I think he's just a little caught up in the <laughs> moments. You know, yeah, it was great. This is why they brought me here to be the mascot of the franchise and put me on billboards. And now we have fans to cheer me on, even though, you know, I'm, I'm 19 and 29. So, you know, by the way, I was...
2: Uh, a little surprised that they didn't have a full crowd for that one. Like the announced attendance was just over 50,000. Like, I I mean, I know it's a preseason game and hell, I spent most of last week saying it's going to be Nathan Peterman. You're not going to get to see Derek Carr or even Marcus Mariota. But I was just a little surprised given how everything was about the atmosphere was. So it was like a playoff game and all that. They, they even had a ribbon cutting ceremony for a stadium that they used last year and has had multiple sold out events. They had a ribbon cutting ceremony. I was just a little surprised there wasn't a full crowd for that game.
0: I'll add a couple things into that. First of all, uh, you know that, of course, season ticket holders are required to buy those preseason tickets, and there might have been some people who just decided to sink the cost and sit on the tickets and not sell them, and there might not have been enough of a market for people to buy them considering the average resale price was pushing $300 a ticket to go watch Nathan Peterman throw the ball 39 times. I can't say that enough. Uh, As for the other part of it, you know the worsening situation with covid i'm sure there are some people who don't want to be in a crowd of 50,000 people so the ribbon cutting ceremony i think makes sense uh, first time fans get to come in and see the team make a big deal of it that's cool uh, these people paid a lot of money for not only their tickets but their personal seat licenses so i don't have any problem doing a ribbon cutting ceremony
2: uh did your fellow northern arizona alum i'm assuming you both graduated uh Connor, is it? Wait, is it Connor Cookus or Case Cookus? I did this on Friday. Do we and I need can't...
3: to do a Freedom of Information Act uh, to check to see if Adam Candy graduated, <laughs> graduated. from college?
0: <laughs> oh, wait, that's the end of the equation. You're not sure about? <laughs> Interesting. We're,
2: we'll figure out the Cookus's name soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did Cookus get screwed? He played. He played one snap in this game, and it was the under two minute warning. Hand the ball off on third and long. Come off the field because they're punting. What? what why didn't Cookus get to play more
0: because the peterman needed full did evaluation he? from john <laughs> gruden because now we can all speculate on well he wanted to see nathan peterman so they can trade marcus mariota that's no. right that's right no oh look did you that's see not, he was no. he was 29-39 to ah uh, yes pre-season stats oh, the ambrosia of the gods was great. How, how wonderful how... that we can talk about what nathan peterman did against the ninth string seattle defense hey.
2: He threw five picks and a half. So anything above that against the progress. first team defense. Yes. Anything above that's progress. I think if you extrapolate out ninth team, one interception, it, it comes out to, he's down to about four interceptions and a half. Now,
0: uh, by the way, did you like, uh, how offended Nathan Peterman was by being asked about that interception? <laughs> like Nathan Peterman was not happy, uh, to be asked about that because he clearly got blown up, uh, through the line and got hit and the ball was kind of floating up there. he didn't really think it was his fault. Uh, But Nathan Peterman has a lot of chutzpah to be questioning anybody's question on him (laughs) throwing interceptions. This
2: is why I love Adam Candy. We've got chutzpah and we got Cookis. So, okay. My favorite part of Cookis playing, though, is he comes in for one snap, hands the ball off, and then Derek Carr runs up to, like, congratulate him on the sideline. Like, yeah, man, you did it. You played in a preseason game for one snap and you handed it off.
0: All right, so let's take that Derek Carr point for a minute here. Um, So Tom Brady played in preseason week one. Patrick Mahomes played two series in preseason week one. And John Gruden sat anybody with a pulse in that game. Uh, That was nothing but second and third stringers and mostly third and fourth stringers. For the Raiders you surprised that that there were not at least some first teamers that got a little bit of run considering that they only have three three
2: preseason games. Yeah. So the the ones that were the most surprising to me offensively they didn't play Henry Ruggs or Brian Edwards and what that meant was John Brown Zay Jones and Willie Sneed played the first series offensive series and then they were done. But we just had like a whole bunch of excuses about Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards not being good in their first year because their offseason was wiped out by COVID because they got a bad draw in the offseason. They didn't get to learn, they didn't get to play, they didn't get to have any experience with the team in the NFL last offseason. And then in the first preseason game, Neither one of them played a single snap. I was surprised by that because that was like, I listen, if you don't play Derek Carr, like that's fine. Like whatever, it's a preseason game. We know what Derek Carr is, but we don't know what Henry Rucks is. We don't know what Brian Edwards is. Like those are guys that they have to take big steps this year for the Raiders. Like the, the offense needs a wide receiver to at the very least replace what Nelson Aguilar did last year. And we, we haven't seen from either one of Edwards or Ruggs that they can be that guy. And yet here they are not playing in the first preseason game of the year. I was, I mean, I'm a little surprised they didn't play just because it's not like they're proven, hey, that's a good NFL player that doesn't need any more work, doesn't need any more time on the field. That's all they were begging for last year or complaining about not having last year. And then the first chance they get, yeah, it would have been with Nathan Peterman, but you could have put him out there anyways. You can still get some reps. I mean, Jonathan Abram played. He's apparently going to be a starter. We know Jonathan Abram played because he hasn't been very good. He's got to get a lot better. But so does Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards.
0: And it's a little more fluid, I think, with Jonathan Abram and Cleve Furl playing as opposed to Ruggs and Edwards because there was this idea out there, I think, for John Gruden that you're not playing first teamers in this game. Well, yeah, you have Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards as first teamers in part because of necessity like you don't have a lot of options if you don't play those guys as your first teamers because the rest of the guys you have are clearly not starting wide receivers whereas you went and drafted safeties this year to try to overlay or help jonathan abram and Cleveland Furl is listed on the second team so also we heard plenty plenty last week from the raiders specifically and then through the beat writers to not trust that depth chart that we saw thrown out there, right? Well, it's come on. I don't even know who's on that depth chart. They followed that depth chart pretty closely in terms of who played and who didn't. And the idea that Cleland Furrell, the number four pick in the draft from a couple of years ago, had to run out there with the second team, it tells me a couple of things. First of all, I actually think it's not the worst thing in the world for John Gruden's thoughts on talent evaluation because it tells us that maybe there's at least some realism from them about the fact that okay yeah you know what they're not where we need them to be Jonathan Abram and Cleveland are not where we want them to be starting this season so we have to give them some reps but then you look on the other side with Ruggs and Edwards and they didn't do the same so it's hard to figure out
2: yeah very strange because it, that's how they played it they've had a lot of high draft picks struggle over the last three seasons and defensively they played most of those draft picks that have struggled, mainly Abram and Cleveland Furrell. They they played those guys in that first preseason game, even if it was just, you know, for the first part of the first quarter, they still put them out there, but they've also had guys that have struggled on offense, mainly Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards, and they didn't play them. It's, it's, it's just very strange that we're seeing like, Hey, Henry Ruggs is being treated like this, you know, number one wide receiver on the team, which Technically, he is by the depth chart, but we haven't seen him do that. It's the exact type of player you would think they would want to get out there. Now, they play this week. They're in Los Angeles against the Rams. Uh, Derek Carr said last week that it's just up to John Gruden how much he plays and that since Gruden's been here, he has. He's played just like what a couple of series in the preseason. Do we see any of the first team offense this weekend against the Rams?
0: That would stun me if you don't see at least the receivers, because as we said, there are only three preseason games this year. Uh, You need some method of evaluation against a defense that isn't yours. Even if your defense was good, you could say that you need to see how other teams react to your guys and how your guys react to other teams. And so when it comes to rugs and it comes to Edwards, those guys in particular need to be out there. Um, Derek Carr, as you mentioned, it doesn't really matter. Marcus Mariota, it doesn't really matter. These guys have been starting quarterbacks in the league for years, so I don't care if Derek Carr gets one throw, one series. It it really doesn't matter anything to this team in the long run. But when it comes to how are our essential, what are we going to call them, one and a half year guys like Ruggs and like Edwards performing? You got to see something against one of the best defenses in the NFL, right? Isn't this the week that you want to see it?
2: The one good thing for the Raiders in terms of not paying as much attention to the actual preseason games, they are going to have the joint practices with the Rams this week. So presumably they're going to see Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards go against the Rams top defense. And so maybe there's some logic there if they don't play in this preseason game either that, hey, We saw them play the Rams best defensive players in the week leading up to it in a joint practice. And that's more important. But at the same time, there's still the element of, hey, do it in a game, not just in practice and all that. But, yeah, I mean, I would have thought they played in that game. I would have thought Ruggs and Edwards were in that game, at least for a series. But we didn't even see that. So it's it's a strange thing to do right now. And I don't I, I guess it means they're very high on Henry Ruggs actually being the wide receiver number one and and not Nelson Aguilar 2.0 and John Brown or Willie Sneed or something like that this year. All right, coming up next, we will get into Major League Baseball because I think the Oakland A's stood us up.
3: Two and one, and that's hit in the air out to deep left field. Peralta's going back. He's looking up. This one is going to go. Welcome back, Fernando. For the third time this year, he homers in his first at bat off the injured list, and the Padres take a 1-0 lead here in the third. The 2-0 changeup to Fernando is hung and hit in the air out to deep left field again. Peralta going back. He's at the wall. It's going to go! Another one for Fernando. And the Padres are back in front 2-1, to and we are out of words. He swung on and lined right back up the middle into center field for a base hit. Caratini has scored. Grisham's coming in right behind him. 6-2 to Padres, and it has been Fernando's return.
2: It is much less fun to play Padre highlights when Ed Grainy is not here. Uh, But this week, this is your last week to get entered in the Star is Born contest over at our sister station, Raider Nation Radio. You have until Friday, but go to LVSportsNetwork.com and submit a one-minute audio file. The Morning Tailgate with Clay Baker will play some of those on air. And then next week, starting next week, there will be voting that opens up And the top 10 are going to be posted. There'll be a second round until we get to a winner. And the winner will get to be on air with Clay Baker on the morning tailgate. So this is your chance to get on the radio over on Raider Nation Radio. So go to LVSportsNetwork.com. Find the Star is Born uh, graphic. Click on that. And that's where you can upload your one-minute file. Now in Major League Baseball, something that did not happen on the field of play, hell, didn't happen at all is Dave Cavill, the president of the Oakland A's, did not come to Las Vegas. He came to Vegas about four times in a month and a half over the course of this summer, leading up to last month's uh, Oakland City Council meeting about giving them public money, about coming to an agreement on how the A's could build their new ballpark with some help from the city. Uh, And Dave Cavill was supposed to come this last week to Vegas. Mick Akers reported he did not end up coming to Vegas we didn't get any shots of Dave Cobble at a sporting event here like a Golden Knights playoff game uh so are we done for are we dead is it is it officially we were just used as leverage until they got something out of Oakland
0: gotta say Tyler I feel so much more comfortable going back to the role that I've known Las Vegas as for all of these years (laughs) as the bridesmaid as opposed to Mark Davis actually following through and bringing a team here I mean, look, this is what we've been doing forever. Uh, Las Vegas has always been the market that has been used. That's why it was so shocking that the Raiders actually followed through once they got their $750 million, and that's the important part to keep in mind here, right? $750 million in taxpayer money that was pushed through with the political might of Sheldon Adelson, uh, that's not happening in terms of money or in terms of political will for the Oakland A's. And if the Oakland A's aren't getting that, then they have no reason to move out of Oakland to come here.
3: Adam, I don't even feel like the bridesmaid. I feel like the stripper that the groom flirted with the night before the wedding.
0: (laughs) That largely is probably from whatever you consumed over the weekend, and I'm not surprised. (laughs) So
2: what what I do think is interesting is the money part there because we did give the Raiders $750 million to build a stadium, and that to me is the key. It's very hard to turn down... A big chunk of public money, especially when you don't have another offer somewhere else. And in the case of the A's, it's the exact opposite of what it was in the Raiders. The Raiders, did they didn't have that option in Oakland. Like They were not getting public money in Oakland for a new stadium. So $750 million was, was better than zero. And in the case of the A's, even though Dave Kotvo came out and said what Oakland offered them, what their offer sheet was, what that wasn't good enough for the A's, it was still $495 million in public money that the A's would get to build their ballpark. And we're not, we don't have that. There is there's never been any discussion of that. The only discussion we've had is the RJ had the report that multiple people in the Nevada state legislature didn't have the appetite to give any more public money to a major league baseball team. And that to me is the key. So even when Dave Cavill was like, well, This $495 million, because they were looking for $855. He's like, well, this isn't enough. We don't agree to this term sheet. Like, this is not, this is a no vote on what we want, even though they voted yes on giving them money. It was still, at the end of the day, $495 million more than they had here in Vegas from anybody. And maybe, like, if they were really coming here, Henderson gives them land and maybe a little bit more money. Or, or, like, there could have been some sort of deal, but I highly doubt it was ever going to come close to $495 million and it'd be really dumb of a business to turn down $495 million in public money. That's just a bad way to run your organization. So once Oakland offered that, I I felt like it was pretty much over for us, but for Dave Cobble to not even really be using us as leverage anymore, not even be flirting with us to get more out of it, sort of makes this sound like it's a done deal. They're staying in Oakland. They're going to come to an agreement sometime soon that they're going to get that $495 million from Oakland and they'll handle the rest of it.
0: Look, it was always going to be a much more difficult move for the A's than it was for the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders are a nomadic franchise that had moved multiple times that was clearly in a mercenary mode, right? This was a team that was going to go wherever was going to give them the money. and We've heard this multiple times. So the A's, I mean, as soon as the Raiders left... The A's switched their entire marketing campaign to hashtag rooted in Oakland. (laughs) This was a team that built its identity on being there. Not that you can't rebuild an identity in a new city, but they're staying in what is a far wealthier area with more people, with more history, with a built-in fan base. And frankly, there's a point here when it comes to Las Vegas. There is a point at which there's only so much money to go around When it comes to corporate sponsorship dollars when it comes to advertising when you already have the golden knights when you already have the raiders it's it's not a market that is going to be built for having three or four professional sports teams at least not right now
2: did las vegas getting the raiders do you think that helped the a's actually get money out of oakland because when the raiders were trying like there was zero like appetite in oakland for them to give the Raiders public money, and do you, like, do you think the idea that they lost the Raiders and there was a chance that Oakland was, they also lost the Warriors as well, just to a different city in the Bay Area. But do you think like us getting the Raiders led to the A's actually getting public money from Oakland?
0: No, I, I really don't in the end, because if you look at what the city of Oakland wanted, the city of Oakland wants them to redevelop the Coliseum like they they want that lands to to still be used by the A's and the A's are saying no we're we're good like we <laughs> you know we had we we wanted the Laney College site uh Laney College and the area around that fought back and and they didn't end up there Howard Terminal has always had the most challenges in terms of what the impacts are to business what the redevelopment needs are um so it was never their first choice to to go down there so the A's aren't getting everything they wanted out of Oakland. And I don't think that they needed to see some sort of proof. You know what I mean? I don't think they needed to see uh, evidence that someone would leave in order to get money.
2: So, so do you think, I mean, if the, if, do you think that Oakland would have said, Hey, yeah, we're fine with losing the A's as well. Like, like if the A's had stayed true, like if Dave Cobble had come to Vegas this past week and was like, yep, we're really interested in moving here. Do you think Oakland would have come back and said, OK, we'll we'll consider giving you more money or more whatever the A's ended up wanting?
0: Well, the A's got close to five hundred million dollars and they wanted probably closer to a Raiders deal, if not more. So if Vegas slash Nevada had offered that deal to them, do I think Oakland would have come back with a better deal? No, I, I don't. And again, there are people that I would suggest following closely on this. Tim Kawakami uh, from The Athletic, uh, uh, Mark Purdy, who's to write for, uh, for the San Jose Mercury News. Like Those guys have been following this forever, and they know the ins and outs when it comes to the city of Oakland. Uh, but I, I have never seen anything from the city of Oakland that has shown a willingness to do the things that Nevada did.
2: Uh, what team uses this next as leverage? Like who's got a bad ballpark or stadium or arena that that needs an upgrade that is going to use us next?
0: Yeah, I'm so disappointed that Sacramento got a new arena for the Kings. <laughs> uh, even though that was like five years ago, um, yeah, that that's that's the one. It's 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 got to be the NBA, right? It has to be someone who's looking to upgrade when it comes to professional basketball. Because if you look at what could come to Vegas, the NBA makes by far the most sense. How how what happened to the Pelicans?
2: Weren't they are they still trying to get a new arena or something like that? They play like I that.
0: have I have not followed that situation closely, uh, but yeah, I, I would be surprised if, uh, if if they were viable option.
2: I'm, I'm making it the Pelicans, and we're gonna get uh, photoshops of Zion Williamson in fake jerseys that say Las Vegas on it, and that's gonna be how the Pelicans leverage their way into money out of the city of New Orleans or. Oh wait, they're not counties. The parish, whatever parish they're in in Louisiana.
0: Yeah, here's the here's the part about that that would be the cruelest cut to me. Bringing Zion here to play right in front of me.
2: Oh, here's the Knicks,
0: but not for the Knicks.
2: Oh boy, (laughs) oh Jesus. Listen, if you brought he, up the,
0: you I'm, brought up the Pelicans.
2: Yeah, yeah, but you brought up well, he's
0: got to be a Nick in five years, or you, you brought up the Pelicans and is. Zion. You knew exactly what you were walking into.
3: Is it bad that I kind of hope the Pelicans move to like Nebraska, so that way the NBA continues to have the stupidest names of like teams in locations? Wouldn't they be stupid here? Technic- yeah, all right, Fair enough. I mean, like we are landlocked. Yeah, any, anywhere that's
2: not by the ocean or, or the Gulf of Mexico is going to be stupid to be called the Pelicans. So, so what about the? Uh,
0: but what about the terrifying mascot? Oh God, a baby. The cake, yeah. cake? Well, he can That's go why I want them here. A,
2: no, that's a New Orleans only thing. So the, the, no, the, the I, 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 baby but, can stay.
0: But we we party here, too. I, I want to see you having to deal no, with, the, with is, the baby cake. That is the worst of all mascots. That thing is a disaster
2: of a mascot. Coming up next, Case Kiefer joins the show.
0: First down and 10 at the Seahawks' 46-yard line. Regis back in and hit on the release, and it's intercepted. Peterman was hit on the release and the Seahawks come up with the first turnover of the game back on their own 29-yard line. Hey, hey,
2: oh, Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Case Kiefer. Uh, so, Case, did you learn anything from a football game in which Nathan Peterman played almost the entire game?
1: Oh, man, poor Nate Peterman. Uh, we, we, we come in with his lowest point of the game <laughs> and now uh, kind of a uh, low-key shot at him there. Um I think you always learn a little bit, but you you take it with a a, a grain of salt. Of course, um, it was far from a full squad for the Raiders, but but they did some good things. And uh, as you've uh, kind of alluded to, maybe uh, there were some bad things as well.
2: Did uh, Case Cookus or Connor Cookus, One day I'll remember his first name. Did he get screwed, only getting to play one snap?
1: Uh, you know, I I thought that was a little bush league. I mean, Case Cookus, uh yeah, well, one snap, a handoff. He looked really crisp on, on that handoff. I don't even remember who it was, who, to be honest. Maybe B.J. Evans. Um, I would have liked to have seen a little more of him. But, you know, in fairness, only two practices. I know he'd been with the Vikings before and even ran with their starters when the whole room got COVID. So I guess that's, that's what it's going to take for him to get some uh, looks with the Raiders as well. You
0: you, you put some respect on Case Cook's name, Tyler Bischoff, not only because <laughs> he is a Northern Arizona legend, but because he shares a name with our guest, you could at least do that much.
2: Yeah, yeah. Case, it's case. Okay, all right. I, I can't. I, I think it's Connor Cook is stuck in my head every time I think of Case or Connor Cook is because it's it's I'm, like the same name.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've never disrespected the, the uh, famous Golden Knight Bischoff, whose first name I honestly can't. J- Jake Bischoff. So you just I did. You, to, uh, you just did.
2: You just did disrespect him. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Okay. In the best we're possible even. way. Unbelievable. Well, at least you remember the last that. name. That's yeah. the only key here is remembering the last name. That's what's important here. Um, were you, Case, surprised at all that we didn't see Henry Ruggs or Brian Edwards play in this game, but we did see Jonathan Abram and Cleveland Um, I
1: was a little surprised by Furl, maybe. Edwards, I could have I thought maybe he'd play too. I, I figured they'd sit Ruggs. Um, Ferrell just maybe for appearances more than anything is just they've been trying to sell us all training camp though so, oh, this is still a competition you know don't put anything into the fact that Ferrell's not running with the, the first team he's gonna play just as much as Max Crosby it doesn't mean anything and uh you know we, we get to the game and Crosby when, when he's on the sidelines is on street close with Yannick and Galway and uh they're late into the game he wasn't even among the first guys taken out so I'd say that one kind of surprised me and um, you know, it seems like Ferrell at least a little bit has fallen out of favor, which kind of surprises me because, you know, he hasn't had the sack totals. We all know it was probably a reach taken as early as they did. But he had a pretty nice year last year. If you look back at the advanced numbers when he was out on the field, and I still think he's a guy who could break out this year. He's given the opportunities, But it looks more and more like there's a clear uh, first string and second string. And Ferrell, despite what they say, is on the second.
0: What about the offensive line the rebuild that went on there? We didn't get a lot of look at the new guys, but we at least did get a little bit of Alex Leatherwood out there.
1: Yeah, th- this is uh, one where I- I'd also really wouldn't jump to conclusions. I think they played what two, maybe three series, and the big names were, were Andre James and Alex Leatherwood. Getting to see both of them, um, you know, I've seen some people just you know kind of rush to praise them and oh, they look great. Uh, I don't know, obviously, I, I, I'm not a coach and I haven't rewatched the film, but I was trying to kind of key in on them since they were the two offensive starters in. And, you know, while they didn't do anything terrible, but I don't think there was anything to say, like, okay, now we don't need to be worried anymore. We know these uh, spots at, at center and uh, right tackle are cleared up. Uh, I know uh, um, our, our friend Mike Gramal at one point who I was sitting with pointed out that Leatherwood uh, kind of blew a block. I saw another time where his footwork wasn't perfect so, you know i'm not saying it's any reason to be concerned i just i wouldn't give him a an a plus grade and then i mean the very first play of the game was a sack uh, up the middle um from pressure up the middle where andre james should uh you know either probably have helped there or or been more uh communicable um so you know th- th- there were some good things and bad things i mean they did score in the opening drive and it seemed like they got better as the game went on but you know i'm not ready just to say oh the offensive line issues are solved because uh, the two new guys had a great game and i don't even know if that's the case
2: uh overreaction by John Gruden to say it was like a playoff game
1: uh I I think so you know this is a (laughs) classic (laughs) classic Gruden um you know he he tries to uh amp things up a little bit goes goes a little too far I think sometimes he gets uh you know a little little too much heat for it when he's clearly uh you know saying these things halfway in jest or or tongue-in-cheek and Uh, I think he was just reaching for something there, and uh, I I do think he was enjoying the atmosphere, you could tell. But, yeah, playoff game, uh, not quite. I haven't seen many playoff games that are uh, Geno Smith versus Nate Pierman. (laughs)
0: Hey, whoa, there there are a lot of dreams that you might have just crushed right there, Case. Uh, So when we look at having 50,000 or however many people there were in the stadium, I mean, did it feel like the atmosphere that you would have expected for a Raiders game, even though it was a preseason game?
1: Uh, well, you know, it's it's hard to compare without the scope of last year. And compared to last year, I mean, absolutely. it just when it's so silent and you can hear anything going on. And I just didn't feel like a football game at all. Um, I mean, from that perspective, it did feel great to, to have uh, everyone there and, you know, to take in the crowd noise and to see some of the, uh, you know, traditional black hole uh, attire. Um, it's tough for me to say that I never really covered the the Oakland team. I never even went to a game in Oakland, so I don't know. I I, I imagine that maybe it was uh, more heavy on that stuff. I know that a lot has changed with the new stadium, but uh, I I think my key takeaway was it it was nice having him there, and uh, I don't think anyone's going to be complaining about the game day atmosphere.
2: All right, Case, the real reason you're on the show today is because you came up with a nickname for a backup kicker, and you tweeted out about Dominic Everly, that he is ever electric as usual. Why are you spending your time coming up with nicknames for backup kickers?
1: Well, it wasn't some master plan, I'll be clear. Uh, it just kind of came to me, but my, my fandom for Dominic Everly, um, probably shouldn't use that word, but, you know, my, my support for him, it was, a, it was a long time in the making. Uh, you know, it kind of happened by accident. I think the very first uh Raiders roster project, projection. I was doing. I got to the end, and I was like, "Man, I have gone just straight chalk. I haven't picked one surprising guy to make the team." And this was going into last year. And I was like, "Oh, hey, look, uh, Carlson, their kicker was coming off of a, a pretty poor year. Uh, Everly was was good in college. looked like he'd be good. So I was like, i I'm, 'I'm picking this guy to make the team.' Uh, last year, he ultimately <laughs> didn't, but he looked good in training camp. And now this training camp." Uh, Carlson got COVID, hasn't been able to practice. Everly, literally, I think he's missed one field goal the, the entire uh, training camp practices, uh, preseason, whatever. So I'm trying to drum it back up a year later and get a kick competition <laughs> here. And uh, I, I do think Everly is really good. So uh, Everlectric all the way.
0: All right. Which of the rookie quarterbacks that played across the NFL this weekend did you think was the most Everlectric?
1: <laughs> uh I got to go with, with uh, Trey Lance. Um, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I think that was during the Raiders game, so I didn't get to see the uh, the whole thing. But I just, I, I just, I love the team around him at it, the 49ers. It's a team I'm super high on. And I think for them to hit their ceiling, if they're going to be the best they can, I think that it's going to need to be Trey Lance sooner than later. And he's going to need to, uh, you know, make plays like we saw in the preseason game. So, you know, I, I still think the safest option is by far Trevor Lawrence. And I think uh, he, he's going to be good no matter what. It's just how good. Um, and I know there's a lot of excitement over uh, Justin Fields, but but I'd have to go Lance.
2: Will Trevor Lawrence be ever electric though? like he'll be, he'll be good, but will he be ever electric?
1: Yeah, I mean we, we got to save that praise for you know something extraordinary. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think Trevor Lawrence might be more uh, I, I'm struggling to come up with another nickname, but I'll get back to you on that, but I think he'll be just a run below ever electric.
0: Okay well, but, but would you say that Nathan was Peter magnificent?
1: Ooh, yeah, I like that. You know, if you take away the interception, he he really kind of <laughs> was, especially for a preseason game. I don't think uh, I, I don't I don't think you could have much uh, qualms with how Peterman played, and uh, you know he, he showed signs of a guy that's been around for a while and is, is familiar with the offense. It's all you can ask for.
2: He's the best quarterback for the Raiders on Saturday. That's all you can say about Nathan Peterman. He is Case Kiefer from the Las Vegas Sun. Ever electric interview. Thanks, Case.
1: All right, thanks, guys. <laughs>
2: i love that so much like i have clearly attached the fandom to jake bischoff but it's very clear why i've attached the fandom to jake bischoff for case to be hooked on to the backup kicker it's i i respect it it's it's a futile endeavor but i respect it
0: also the fact that he gave him a nickname you asking that question just shows that you have never had to be a beat writer covering a team where you're trying to find something to keep yourself interested in, like hour seven at the stadium when Dominic <laughs> Everly is coming on.
2: Hey, he's he's been the kicker the whole time. It's the Carlson. Listen, as long as he can make the field goal from inside of twenty five yards, he's got a chance to be John Gruden's kicker. Lead
3: the Oh yeah, scoring. I mean, look,
0: you you don't need to have a sea bass leg to kick for Gruden because <laughs> he's never going to kick from the back there. Gruden actually went for it Did
2: twice, I think, on fourth and fourth down in that game. Granted, yeah, he's still,
3: these, these games don't count.
2: He still kicked a field goal from inside the five and another one from, I think, the 11-yard line. So he still, still showed a little bit of, all right, let's just kick it here and take the points. But he went for it at least once.
0: Well, it's a playoff game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Coming up
3: next. Uh, Jesus Christ.
2: <laughs> Coming up next, Trevor Bauer has a court hearing today. Also, Trevor Bauer thinks he's the victim make sure you stay tuned throughout the show we are going to have tickets to give away to go see guns and roses at allegiance stadium they are coming this month so stay tuned for that in major league baseball though Trevor Bauer has a hearing today uh, about the uh, protective order that was taken out against him in the state of California, the allegations of his sexual assaults that have kept him out of Major League Baseball for quite a while now. Uh, He has a hearing today that's basically the decision is, will that protective order continue? And it would end up being like a five-year situation or it could be dropped as well. Uh, ESPN was reporting that that hearing is expected to last multiple days because both Bauer and the women's attorney are expected to call multiple um, witnesses to the stand that it's going to drag out for most of this week. But that was not the only Trevor Bauer story over the weekend. The Washington Post had a story in which Trevor Bauer was accused of physically abusing and threatening a woman in Ohio. According to sealed court records another documentation obtained by the Post, the woman says Bauer punched and choked her without her consent while they were having sex. He also allegedly sent her a text message from a phone number known to be registered to Bauer saying he doesn't, quote, feel like spending time in jail for killing someone. The woman in Ohio did have a protective order taken out against Bauer. It did get dropped six weeks later. Uh, What I find to be the most interesting about all this, though, After that Washington Post story comes out, Trevor Bauer, for the first time since any of these allegations from either woman came out, decided to tweet. And what Trevor Bauer tweeted was him ripping the Washington Post, saying that they were publishing defamatory and false information about him. And I cannot believe that Trevor Bauer thought he was the victim. The guy who is he's not playing in Major League Baseball, even though he's got a 30 plus million dollar a year contract right now. He's not playing because he's been accused of strangling a woman until she was unconscious while having sex and then continuing to have sex with her. He is mad that the Washington Post went and talked to other women in his past and eventually found, oh, somebody else has taken out a restraining order against Trevor Bauer. And he's mad they published that story and he came off complaining like he was the victim of the Washington Post looking into his past. I know it's Trevor Bauer. I can't believe the first thing he said since all of this is his is him complaining that he's the victim.
0: You, If you can't believe it, then you haven't been paying attention to Trevor Bauer. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a sarcastic way because him attacking the media as a response is perfect absolutely perfect for a guy who has never accepted an ounce of responsibility in his life for anything that anything anyone has ever thrown at him for a guy who has consistently consistently demeaned and harassed women in media and online it makes perfect sense that he would try to go find a way to blame somebody else and he is doing exactly that by going after the media big air quotes on the media So if he's going this direction, it shouldn't surprise anyone at all.
2: I guess I should say I'm surprised he's been quiet this long because it seems as though at least someone got to Trevor Bauer and said, hey, man, don't tweet through this one. And that lasted until this weekend when he decided to tweet through the restraining order in Ohio being made public. So maybe I should be saying I'm surprised he made it this long without tweeting or saying anything stupid and a congratulations to whatever lawyer or agent got him to not say anything for like over a month now. But yeah, it's just like that. This is what Trevor Bauer is. And I, 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 the, so what's going to happen this week is this hearing's going to happen in California. It has nothing to do with what happened in Ohio. That was just a story that came out with the Washington post, but the one in California, this hearing's going to happen. And again, It could the restraining order could just like end up getting dropped here. You could still potentially have criminal charges because the this is still being investigated uh, on a criminal level, but nothing has come from that. He hasn't been charged, hasn't been arrested or anything like that, but it could get dropped. And then Major League Baseball would have a decision of, okay, like he doesn't even have this restraining order against him anymore. There's been no criminal cases. What does Major League Baseball do with him? Then from that story that Jeff Passon and a few others at ESPN wrote it sounds like nobody expects him, regardless of what happens this week, nobody expects Major League Baseball to like take him off the, you know, their commissioners or their administrative leave list, even if this is completely dropped this week. He would still not play for the Dodgers, not play for anybody the rest of this year.
0: Major League Baseball doesn't want him playing. The Dodgers, if we trust the reporting that we've yeah. seen, the players themselves don't want him playing. Nobody wants Trevor Bauer back. Like th- look, this is A professional sports organization in Major League Baseball that has put up with men who abuse and harass women for a long time. We have spent the entire past year talking about the Jared Porters and Mickey Calloway's of the world and how they have essentially been either serial predators towards female reporters and employees or how they have specifically harassed certain people. And even that was not enough to push Trevor Bauer out. So what else do we have on Trevor Bauer that we know? Well, we know that Trevor Bauer got traded from the Cleveland Indians because like a petulant child, he fired a ball out to center field when he was getting taken out of the game. Terry Francona was done with him at that point. We know he missed a playoff start because he cut his hand working on a drone. So like, what is it that... Trevor Bauer has ever done that has shown you that he cares about anybody or anything other than what he wants when he wants it. He is a blight on the game, and even someone as blighty himself as Rob Manfred can figure that out.
2: Uh, One other detail on the the hearing that he's going to have. ESPN talked to a lawyer who's represented uh, sexual assault victims before, and here's just something he said, because Trevor Bauer is not expected to – Answer any questions at this hearing, even though he's gonna be called as a witness. But this is what the lawyer that ESPN talked to said. Let's just assume he's innocent here and he wants to clear his name. The quickest, most effective way to do that is to come into this hearing and lay it all out there. But he's but he would now be running the risk of maybe he's saying something that he admits to something or somehow hurts him in a criminal case. There's way more at stake here than some restraining order. So there's clearly some something on Trevor Bauer's side where they're looking at this as it being much more than just, hey, this restraining order being dropped or being made uh, a five-year deal after this week going on here. So that, that hearing is going to go on throughout the week. We'll figure out what actually happens here with Trevor Bauer in California. But yeah, I don't think he is going to play again this year. And sports is the land of second chances, but I don't... It's hard to see Trevor Bauer. He might be the one that doesn't actually get that chance even after this, even if he's found to be completely innocent next year with another team.
0: Whoa, uh, second chances is one that's, thing. That's this true. guy is this guy is well past his second chance at this point. Yeah,
2: that's a fair point. Yeah, what are we? We we do seventh chances sometimes, don't we? The nation of seventh chances. We believe in that. After about the sixth time, you got it figured out.